Hello and welcome to this new edition of the Fujay podcast. Today we are traveling to the US where we visit the Atlanta Jug and the DevNexus conference. Welcome to the Fujay podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. The Fujay podcast Java user group world tour already brought us to the UK, US, Dubai and Japan. Today we travel back to the US to learn more about the Atlanta Jug, especially because this week they organized the DevNexus conference. Let's learn about the challenges of organizing both a Java user group and a full conference. Hello, my name is Pratik Patel. I am a Java champion based out of Atlanta, and I am currently the president of the Atlanta Java user group. And I am also the conference co-chair along with Vincent for the DevNexus conference. And I also work at Azul Systems leading the developer advocate team. All right, everybody, my name is... Vincent Mayers. I'm also a Java champion based out of Atlanta, not from Atlanta, based. Well, I don't sound like I'm from Atlanta. I am living in Atlanta and have been for 20 years. So I, I do co-chair the uh, DevNexus conference with Pratik. I'm the treasurer of the Atlanta Java user group, and I am the director of community for, for Gradle. And I'm Frank, I work as a technical writer for Azul and also make these podcasts for Fuji because I'm very interested in how it is to organize a Java user group and what is involved and why people actually do this. Let's go back in history. Uh, the Atlanta Jug, how long does it already exist? The Atlanta Jug is actually one of the oldest uh, Java user groups in the world. Uh, Vincent, do you remember who started the Jug? It wasn't Burr Sutter. Burr Sutter, who's at Red Hat now, ran the Jug for a very long time. And then after that, uh, there was someone else. And then after that, it was me. There's always a board, of course. But uh, Vince, do you remember who it was that yeah. um, started the jug back no, in the I, I, early 2000s? I never met that person. Like, I first got into that orbit in 2004. And I think Bird had run it for about, I want to say, six years. The guy that kicked it off, though, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know who it was. But it's safe to say that the jug has been going for at least 25 years, probably. 20, probably 26 or 27. Yeah, at least 25 years. Almost as old as Java itself? Yep, that's right. W which came first, the, the language or the, or the jug? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the oldest Java user group in the US, at least, is the New York Java SIG, run by our friend Frank Greco. Uh, I think it predates the Atlanta jug by one or two years. I think okay. he started his jug in 1996 or so. So there you go. So uh, an important distinction, we are actually Java users, not S groups, not Java user groups. And Java users groups came out of SIGs, special interest groups. Memory Community lane, lane here. Community lane. <laughs> <laughs> Going back in time, yeah. So you were not there from the start, but why did you get involved in the organization of the jerk? Well, I was, uh, at the time, I was a... Uh, I was a technical recruiter. I'm not a software engineer, but I play one on TV, as I like to say. I'm actually not a Java developer. I have a degree in pottery. Uh, it's a long story, so I'm not going to get it here. But I was a tech recruiter. I had my own company in Atlanta, and uh, I started I got involved with the jug as a sponsor in 2004 because I thought it would be a great way to learn more about the, the ecosystem and the community. And I've, in, in, a, in a nutshell, I've just stayed involved ever since. And for you, Pratik? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So uh, I had actually just moved back to the U.S. from London in early of 2005. As I was working as a Java developer and architect here, I wanted to start getting involved a little bit in the community here. And I remember, I think I did my first presentation at the Atlanta Jug. I, I became a member immediately upon moving here in 2005, but I think I did my first presentation sometime in 2007 at the Atlanta Java user group. Uh, and it was a presentation on Groovy and Grails, believe it or not. So you probably remember that, Frank. Uh, I think some people still use that technology, mm -hmm. but back then it was kind of gaining traction because of all that movement around the Ruby on Rails community. So Groovy and Rails uh, was starting to get some lift and some developer mindshare at the time, right? With all the jacks had a lot of issues with COVID and actually everyone stopped or went uh, online. How did you uh, continue your sessions or did you have to stop? So I've been involved since 2004. We have not missed a single session 
in the wow. entire time that that I that I've been involved. Yes, we did go online. There was this kind of a initial excitement of well, we were forced to go online, of course, and there was this initial oh, we can do this on Zoom. Of course, that wore off pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. we continued to do it, and uh, it, it worked out well. It was a way to keep continuity. I'm sure we'll get into it. You know, running a jug is all about consistency. But yes, we, we went online and, and, and kept going all the way through pandemic years. And uh, and now we're back in person. And that wins put because I heard from the Denver jug, for instance, they have a bit of an issue of finding venues where they're welcome with a big group because of yes, still COVID being around and, and extra safety measures that need to be taken. That went smooth for you to, to restart? The, the way that the Atlanta Jug has always done the meetings, as far as I remember, is that we always book our meetings not at a company's office, but at like, you know, co-working space or, you know, hotel meeting room or something like that. So we, we didn't have some of the obstacles that some other Java user groups did where, you know, they would meet at like this company's office right every month. And then that company shut down their office and now there are additional barriers and blah, blah, blah to the opening back up. So, so we never had that problem. Uh, so when we were starting to, to decide on having in-person meetings again, you know, kind of as the pandemic wore on, uh, we just booked our, our normal venue with a smaller room. And uh, so, yeah, we just started to go from there, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you do this? Because most of the jugs, they're totally free. They have no budget. So they really rely yeah. on these companies who offer this space. If you say, yeah, we rent the space at a hotel, I can imagine that there is some budget needed there. Even from the early days, it's uh, the, the jug has had sponsors. When I started to get involved with, with my company, um, we were like one of three sponsors. The, the first being, you know, primarily one being JBoss. Uh, because Burr Sutter worked for JBoss, and uh, of course JBoss was a big part of the ecosystem. Yeah, so so there was JBoss. There was a oh, I could I should go to the Wayback Machine and look. There was another consulting company, and there was Anteo Group, my company. So you know there was so there were annual sponsorship dues at the time, and so the jug has always had a little bit of money every year, and uh, use that. Uh, to pay for the space. So uh, one of the goals from the beginning with the Atlanta Jug has always been a long-term sustainability and independence. We got people from the community, like when Vincent was working at a recruitment company, they would sponsor uh, with money and other people would sponsor so that we were able to have the ability to be 100% independent and not necessarily tied to a specific company and, you know, whatever was going on there, you know, someone who was our champion at that company would leave. And then all of a sudden we have to figure stuff mm-hmm. out again. Right. So Vince actually does a presentation uh, called the jug business in that presentation. He talks about how, yeah, you can run it as just kind of like, you know, how you would just loosely run some kind of meetup like this. But uh, you know, if you want to be more serious about it and have the ability to have more independence and to do more then running it like a business uh, is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we many years ago set up the Atlanta Java User Group as a U.S. nonprofit, uh, specifically a 501c6 company, uh, which is known as a professional organization nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, so that we would have you know the various tax benefits and the ability to say, hey, look, we're 100% nonprofit. We do this for the community, and that's why you know you should get involved either as a volunteer or a speaker or as a sponsor or whatever. This is actually the first Jack I'm talking to who has this complete formal structure. That's really great. I can oh, imagine there, that's there, also a lot of extra effort that needs to be put in there. So you need to find your sponsors. You have this accountancy to be done. Absolutely. There's, there is definitely more work to it. And and there are some other jugs. Uh, Vince, do you know the other ones off top of your head who are also registered uh, as a company? I think uh, Frank's New York Java SIG, for example, is registered as a company. And the Chicago jug, actually is also registered as a nonprofit uh, in the state of Illinois, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. we're not the only ones. I think the Dublin Jerk is also a registered company. Uh, okay. Frank, you're right. It is, um, it is more work, and, uh, but it does allow us to be you know, consistent. And, and Petit mentioned his talk, the, the overriding theme is about consistency, you know, intentional consistency. And, 
trust me, consistency is hard. It's really hard, especially when everyone's a, a volunteer because things change in people's lives and blah, 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 and uh, circumstances change. And it's, it's super, super hard to even, oh, you know, what is a jug? It's a, it's a meeting once a month. Well, you know, a lot goes into that. Um, it doesn't just happen by magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for it to happen consistently takes a lot more magic, mm-hmm. if you will. And I can imagine that there are more people involved than both of you. So you're here now as the presenter of the Atlanta Jug, but I guess that there is a whole team supporting you to organize these. Yeah, absolutely. So we we have a board and uh, we have a fairly, you know, I think a fairly large board uh, in terms of how, you know, most jugs are organized. We have, I'm trying to remember exactly how many people we have on the board uh, because, you know, we have some people move in and out here or there. Uh, currently, we have, for example, another Java champion who's on the board. Burke Huffnagel is uh, part of our organizing team. Uh, and then there's Glenn Renfro, who works on Open Source Spring, but he works for VMware. Uh, Laura Moore, another local person, Jay Stevenson, and uh, Roy Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a couple of people cycle out recently, but you know how it is. The people mm-hmm. kind of have time and don't have time, but we have a great board that uh, helps us to, to put on a really good Java user group and, of course, DevNexus. And, you know, organizationally, we there's other things that, uh, because we are a registered nonprofit, we, uh, and of course now, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the DevNexus conference, you know, we, we run this event and there's a lot goes into that. You know, we have to have a CPA and do our IRS reporting every year. Mm-hmm. Part of that is we need to have reporting on what the board does and how many hours we work every year for the jug as, as, as volunteers. And, you know, we have a board charter. Uh, we have, you know, regular board meetings, uh, you know, once a quarter, one of which is designated as the annual general meeting. We take minutes you know, every month. Uh, so yes, there's, there's so much that, uh, uh, that, that has to happen if you want to, you know, if you want to do this at, at the, I, I say scale, not because we're this super huge jug with all these people that show up every month because everyone's still building into that, but because we, we do these other things as well, mm-hmm. uh, which does require scale. So to, in order to do that successfully and consistently, we, we have to have all these other organizational factors to what we do. I've seen some big numbers on the number of speakers that you have for DevNexus. That's <laughs> massive and the number of sessions, but we'll come to that. But if you have a jug, how many visitors do you have for the jug? In average, before the pandemic, uh, we would average anywhere from 100 to 200 jug members in attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the pandemic, uh, I think when we had Venkat here and Josh Long here uh, in December and January, we had about 50 to 70 people mm-hmm. uh, at both those meetups. So jugs are very much recovering, um, you know, from the pandemic and mm-hmm. you know the, all that stuff. We've seen a definite uptick month over month mm-hmm. since we started jug meetings back in. Uh, when did we start, uh, Vince? Did, like back um, in August we, uh, or something? We started in person around the summer of last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Summer of 2022. It's been building up. That's right. Yep. So. But even 50, 70 people is, is a lot for some jugs. So, yeah. <laughs> Especially for Atlanta, because Atlanta is uh, geographically very spread out. Mm-hmm. So uh, unlike, you know, cities in Europe, for example, where people come to a city center to work and then they go home, uh, Atlanta is not really like that. Uh, I like to think of Atlanta as having four or five different city centers where people go to work. So it's very geographically spread out. And that's part of the challenge in this, uh, you know, after pandemic world is that mu- people are much more working at home. So it's more difficult for people to consider leaving their house to drive 30 minutes or even an hour to go Mm -hmm. to a jug meeting. Mm -hmm. So that's where some of the challenge comes in. You have so many sessions, so many histories. So uh, is there one session that you can pick out which was the most remarkable, either a very good session or a very bad session? I can't say, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I actually wasn't at this one, but there was was one, uh, I think, uh, sometime in the fall where didn't that person that we... We had to call an ambulance, right? Wow. Were you there, Pratik, for that session? Where the I was there, yeah, yeah. So, so that was the worst one. Uh, I think the best ones, in my opinion, is uh, a Venkat uh, Subramaniam. I think everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes and visits our jug uh, every December, right before Christmas. 
Um, so we always just book him like we haven't booked out five years in advance, right? So we like just come every Christmas, whenever that third Tuesday is. Those are the the favorites, one of the favorites every year uh, for our attendees and for me personally, um, because uh, having Venkat there and and having his energy and his positivity, and of course his immense knowledge in the universe we work in. It is always a lot of fun. And the format that we typically do that is we do a ask me anything type of thing where, you know, someone like me or one of the other Atlanta Jug board members will moderate. People ask questions like, you know, what do you think about Java 19 or, you know, this or that. And uh, those are for me, those are the, the, the most fun ones where people are very interactive rather than just having a lecture style mm -hmm. presentation. There was one session we did um, with James Gosling. Believe it or not, and uh, and he came. Oh God, uh, this may have been around two thousand eight, seven, somewhere, something like that. Maybe six. I don't know. Uh, and we did an AMA with with uh, with Gosling, and uh, it was at a movie theater, a departure from our normal meeting space. And uh, you know, AMA with Gosling, and then we all get to watch a movie. But uh, so I recall one of the questions somebody asked was, you know, tell me about the the last aha moment you had in technology and expecting James to talk about the in, 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 when they conceived the Java in a group and uh, called it Oak Tree or whatever that, whatever on earth it was. Oak. Initially. Oak. Oak yep. Yeah, Oak. Back in the, you know, 1820s. And um, and he said, oh, the, oh, that was, there was a Fortran utility in 1964 that really got me going and interested and it was, it was just super funny. <laughs> Let me add one more thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been talking quite a bit about, you know, setting up a company and running it more formally and stuff like that. But I wanted to make it very clear to the audience of this podcast that you don't have to do that. There doesn't have to be that much uh, ceremony, as our friend Venkat would say. You don't have to have that much uh, organization. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine. So, for example, if you work in a city and you work for a company that has a 10 or 20 or 30% uh, office uh, space, that's a great way to get started mm -hmm. or to drive your jug initially, right? You don't have to be formal. You, you can ask your company uh, to provide pizza, or you can ask a couple of uh, friends locally who work at a recruitment shop, uh, for example, to provide some food for the meetup and just get started, right? You know, I think the important thing is that you, you create the community rather than having this big organization around it, right? Yeah, sure. After a while, you may say, you know what, this is going really well. Let's create a proper company around this and let's get formal sponsorships and stuff like that. Uh, but especially if you live in a city which is, you know, small to medium sized or, or even large sized for that matter, uh, there's nothing stopping you from just saying, hey, let's just meet at my company's office on Tuesday evening from five to seven. We'll get some speakers and stuff like that. And, you know, the next question might be, well, how do I get speakers? The obvious answer is just reach out into your local Jug community or the friends that you have in your Jug community, Java community locally, and get them to present on something. And then you can also reach out to people like us at the Atlanta Jug. We help our other Jug organizer friends in the U.S., to uh, get speakers. They'll say, hey, we just saw that you had Josh Long speak at your meetup. Do you think he'd like to come down to Greensboro, North Carolina? We're starting a new Java user group there. And we'll say, absolutely, we'll help you make that connection. And if he's available, he'll come speak, right? So you can always reach out to your fellow Jug organizers. And I think, Frank, you probably know this. There's actually a mail list for Jug leaders that you can sign up for once you've started a Jug. And you can get some support and help on all the different things that we've been talking about there. You're right that it doesn't have to be so official. We, we just restarted the, B, the Belgian jug, Tom Coles and me. And indeed, we are just trying out. We'll see what yeah. you, where we end up. Uh, but indeed, if you find a company who is willing to host you, uh, it's definitely not, not difficult to find a speaker. What we also learned is that uh, keep an eye on conferences in the neighboring countries. And people mm -hmm. traveling to that conference or traveling back are most of the times available for a jug. Right. And when Frank says country, in the U.S., he means neighboring state. <laughs> yes, I'm from Europe. <laughs> yeah, the, the, um, the community is very helpful and engaged. So it, it could even be that you, you go to a, a conference website and you see someone who's speaking that, that's, uh, you know, attributed to being an expert in, a, in whatever tool framework language. And um, 
because you know other languages run on the JVM other than Java. It doesn't have to be about Java the language. It's about Java the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is cloud native these days. So there's many, many things other than just let's talk about you know programming mm-hmm. in Java. And just re- you can reach out to these folks on, on LinkedIn or over Twitter. They're super helpful. Uh, and uh, if they... You know, you build a relationship, you build a rapport. If if uh, if they can come, they'll come. They could also recommend other people because, you know, these speakers all tend to know each other uh, from having done speaking stuff for some years. And uh, everyone is very, very helpful. It's one of the most, to me, engaging things about the Java community is, is how eager to help other people, people in the community are. Yeah, fully agree. This whole Java community is so friendly and so open and when I was writing a book a few years ago, I was reaching out to some people who are my my heroes, and they actually replied and they said, "Oh yeah, an interview, no problem. I'm eh, just send me your questions." So indeed, a lot of these people are just so reachable and so open to to help you and to assist you. We mentioned DevNexus already a few times, so we definitely need to talk about it. What is DevNexus? A little conference, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so DevNexus is uh, now the largest uh, Java event in the U.S., probably North America. It was started many, many years ago. I think, Vincent, this is probably our, this year will be our 18th or 19th edition in some form of this conference. Is that right? Yeah, so 18th year that the Atlanta Java User Group has run something, a quick history lesson. So in 2004, was the, it was the first one, 2004. Look, my math's off. I don't know. So Burr Sutter wanted to run something, and and uh, he it was a one day single track event called Java DevCon, and you know friends and family speaking. Uh, I think there might might have been fifty people there. I think it was like fifty bucks or thirty bucks to get to go just to cover the sandwiches or something that that uh, that he probably made at home. And every year it built a little and a little, <clears throat> and then Sun took it over in uh, I believe oh six oh seven. Mm-hmm. row 708 uh, and it became folded into the the sun tech days roadshow <coughs> where they would go around with a big <coughs> a big semi truck of sun stuff um <coughs> and uh you know we would get james gosling and other doris chen and other people from sun to come in and, and talk on, on java and other speakers and then when when sun got acquired by oracle that was the first real dev nexus that following year where we're like, well, no more Sun Tech days, but we still want to run something. Let's do something. Uh, now there's a bigger audience, and really that was the, uh, you know, that was the first uh, iteration of, of of the name DevNexus, and and we ran it at a venue in Atlanta called the Cobb Galleria, where it stayed for a number of years. I think there were maybe 400 people at the first one, like probably four tracks or something. Now it's a uh, it's a larger event. You know, our, our goal's never been to have, hey, let's have the biggest thing and have thousands of thousands of people, although it's kind of grown organically towards that. Uh, our goal's just always been to put it on, just because, because we should. But to Pratik's point now, it's it's the longest running Java conference in, in the US. And, uh, you know, Sun Tech Days has come and gone, Java One has come and gone, or whatever Oracle did has come and gone. So, um yeah, it, it's it's stood the test of time. I think 20, 2020, we did it right before the pandemic in February. We didn't have a pandemic then, or mm-hmm. there was rumblings of COVID. And we had about 2,500 people at that one. We did it virtually in 21. Uh, we did it in person in 2020, last year in 22, uh, with about half the number at about mm-hmm. 1,300. And here we are in 2023. The conference really grew from the Atlanta Jack. So that was really the start, and then the conference came out of that one. Yeah, and like Vincent was saying, there's been a couple of different names over the years, um, mm-hmm. but I think it was probably seven years ago now, seven or eight years ago, uh, Vince and I were talking about the event, and uh, we put together a goal of basically having the event get larger and larger over time. Uh, because if you remember, Frank, uh, Java 1 was also in play at the time, and mm-hmm. Java 1 would be in the fall, and we're like, you know, it would be really nice if we could have a great conference uh, that would rival Java 1 in size in the spring. So we put together a plan to expand the number of tracks that we had. I think when we did it, uh, the conference in 2017, I think we had five or six tracks. Uh, and when we did the show before the pandemic in 2020, 
uh, we had a whopping 15 tracks for the event. So our goal was to have a big tent style of conference where we would have lots of different people in the Java ecosystem. You know, at the time, cloud was big and there were lots of other things. So we're, we're happy to incorporate the things that developers are interested in at that given point in time. So right now, a lot of it is around, you know, cloud and Java and DevOps and Java. And then, of course, we have tracks on like agile and, and, and practices and tools and stuff like that. But the idea is that we have this massive umbrella event where anyone who works in the development, specifically the Java development ecosystem, whether you're a project manager, a software architect, a developer, you're doing DevOps or you're doing cloud ops or whatever, a whole team could come to an event like this and they can get something out of it, right? Mm -hmm. They can get something. And, and when we look at the presentations which are submitted for the conference, one of the things that we look at from that specific point of view is we try to carry presentations where someone can go to a presentation and then the next day they can go to work and say, you know what, I saw this great presentation on this specific thing. I'm going to go try that because I think it's really useful for me or my team or my organization. And it will really help me personally from the career and it'll help my company get value or whatever it may be. Right. Mm -hmm. So we try to go things for things which are pragmatic and real world. We still carry all the stuff that, you know, all the shiny new toys, as they say, that developers are interested in. Right. But maybe they're not going to use today. Uh, so we still carry all that stuff just so that we have a well-rounded program. But our focus is very much on having things which people can use as soon as they've left the conference, right? Whether it's tomorrow, a month from now, or a year from now. I think the biggest problem for your visitors is, is choosing which sessions they will yes. follow. That's right. You have to choose very carefully. We, we do we do record the conference so that folks can watch some of the sessions uh, that they see. But uh, just to give you an example, we always have uh, some of our presenters complain that they're up against other people who have also amazing uh, presentations. So, for example, one of the time slots that we have for this year's event, there's like four Java champions presenting in the same time slot. So, uh, for example, Venkat is doing a presentation on Java 20. Uh, Daniel Hinojosa, who's a, a Java champion out of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, is talking about machine learning uh, with Kafka and TensorFlow. And then uh, Bert, uh, who you know from NLJug, uh, mastering the Linux command line. And then, of course, there's Josh Long talking about Spring Boot 3. Oh, and there's eight other presentations in that same, the time, same time So <laughs> <laughs> you have to choose carefully is yeah. uh, the, the good way to put it. But I guess that uh, if some room is completely full, people have to flow over to another room. We had a bit the same thing uh, we have in Belgium, FOSDEM with a lot right. of different rooms. It's in a university, so the rooms are not that big. And actually you end up in another room because the one that you wanted to visit was full and you actually learn something new because you end up in a room that you were not expecting and it's a new topic. What so you I just said is, is, is the reason why people should go to a Java user group uh, or uh, by extension, a, a conference like this. So, you know, for example, uh, you may want to go to Josh Long's presentation on Spring Boot 3, because your company might be quite great into that. Well, this really interesting. I could learn something. But the room's full. And then you end up in this presentation on Kafka, okay? And this is interesting to you. You, don't, you know, you're not using it, not part of your stack or whatever. Or, you know, conversely, you go to the uh, the, the jug meeting that month, and there's a presentation on, on, on Kafka. Some months later, you know, you, you may be in an interview for a new job. And Kafka is not part of the stack or anything. And the the interviewer says to you, "Do you know anything about Kafka? We're thinking about you know, using this in our in our you know in our in our dev environment." And you say, "Well, well, no, I, I've never used it, but I did go to a presentation at conference this or jug that, where the presenter was talking about streaming and and how uh, this can be used to do X, Y, and Z, and it seemed really interesting. And just the fact that you have a perspective on it." because you'd seen a presentation uh, and maybe even talked to the presenter after, could make the difference between you getting hired and the mm -hmm. other candidate, who might have even have more skills in the particular stack that, uh, you know, 
um, that uh, you're interviewing for, but you have a, a perspective based on having seen someone in person and had some discussions after with a, uh, someone else who was there. Uh, again, that can make the difference between you getting hired mm -hmm. for that role. Yeah, that's something I learned at DevOps uh, in September, or was it October last year, is people coming to me at, at the boot uh, of Azul that I was at that time, telling yeah, I'm doing Java development for so many years, and it's only now that I learned about streams. And because at our company, we are stuck at Java 8 or whatever, indeed going to a conference and, and visiting a session that you didn't plan or... Uh, uh, can open so many eyes and, and give you so many new insights. That's really, really important. The, the insights thing is important. All right, so you go to this talk on, on uh, <clears throat> Spring or, or, or Kafka or anything else, but the, the conversations that happened over coffee and lunch or even with the person next to you about you know your real-world use case or you know that person may not have solved that themselves at their company or in the past, but they have a perspective on it which you hadn't thought of, just that conversation could change your life because you could have this real aha moment from some random conversation about something that helps you at work. And uh, uh, that in and of itself it could be more valuable than any of the sessions on the new features of X, Y, and Z that you attended. Yeah, and I think to, to build upon that, uh, one of the things that I suggest to people who are junior and mid-level devs or even senior devs for that matter, Frank, is... I say, look, you can go to this session on what's the latest thing in Java 20. You're a experienced Java developer, and I'm sure you get some value out of it, right? But have you thought about going to something that might be a little bit different, right? So, for example, at this year's DevNexus, uh, Aaron Schnabel from Red Hat is giving a presentation on beyond REST and CRUD integration patterns in microservices, right? It's like, I know from... The surface that's like, well, I don't know if that's something I'll really get some value out of. But if you go to something like that, you the probability that you'll learn something new, or even if you don't have something that you can use at work, you'll learn to think differently. It will help you in approaching any kind of system you're building or even low-level code or something like that. So it's a lot of it. This is around expanding the way that you think as a software developer, because you know, you know how it is as a software dev. You kind of okay, I'm writing Java code, and this is how we write Java code, and this is how we've always written Java code, but what if I could build a system differently, right? What can I do to help myself and my team and my company build something uh, in a new and modern way and learn how to do that from an expert in the room, so. Yeah, and just you bringing that up, bringing that up at a stand-up or something or at a team meeting because your company's thinking of trying something new, uh, you know, uh, the boss goes, well, you know, that's a great idea. Okay, we'll look into it. And then now you're running that project. And you're like, really? And all of a sudden, you're, in, you're, you're now, after six months, uh, uh, on the road to becoming the expert at that org in whatever that is. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many speakers you have at DevNexus? I started counting the page, but I gave up. <laughs> so at DevNexus this year, uh, there'll be a total of, including workshop speakers and some presentations which have two speakers, there'll be 139 total speakers uh, across uh, 120 sessions and six workshops. Wow. So there's 120 sessions, 12 tracks over two days. Um, so yes, 120 sessions over two days and then a full workshop day. So uh, okay. it's a big event. I have to pick one. I saw you tweet about uh, the keynotes, and I yes. want to p highlight uh, Sean Phillips. Yes. I interviewed him for an article on Fuji about his project, and that's the project he will talk about, the visualization of brain-computer interfaces. He does it with Java VIX. That's one of my, <laughs> my big loves, so uh, that's why I wanted to interview him. It's really pity yeah. that I cannot join your, your conference. I really want to see him talk about this. Uh, he's such a good speaker. We're really looking forward to this presentation. When we first started talking to him about this, um, you know, obviously after we got the jokes of like, you know, when can I plug into the matrix, right? When is when are you going to make this happen for us? Uh, aside from those jokes, we we really like the work that uh, he was doing in this area. So you know, he's obviously a, a expert in because he works doing this stuff, working with scientists who plug your brain into a computer type of thing. So we're super excited about carrying something. Uh, for our audience 
that would, uh, you know, but it's one of those things. It's at the forefront of technology. It seems like, you know, a distant Star Trek type of thing, but it may actually be here in the next, you know, decade or so. So it's uh, super interesting uh, for him to talk about how can humans directly plug into uh, a computer or how can a computer read your mind? Because, you know, I would love to be able to not have to type anymore and just think words and they just show up on a screen, you know? So <laughs> the lazy programmer becoming even more lazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you just, and, you just think it and it happens. You don't even have to happens. type anymore. Right. And can you think your tests? <laughs> can you, can you, can you think yourself your way out of flaky tests? Mm, maybe one day, one day. Now, Sean, Sean's always been great at this. So we had him as a, at a keynote, I think it was 2017, uh, keeping honest critique, um, yeah, that's right. uh, with with uh, Diane Davis, and they were both uh, working at a NASA contractor at the time, and and uh, I can't remember the exact name of the of the session, but they're basically visualizing you know flight paths for orbital trajectories, and mm -hmm. and um, you know he was able to show how 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 they did this using JFX, and uh, it was incredible. And I know that he has this this matrix like displays. He has those displays in his lap, eh? so uh... that's right. Yeah. No, but for, for that uh, presentation that they did back in 2017, it was around uh, coming up for trajectories for uh, mid-orbit between the Earth and the Moon for preparation for a permanent lunar base, right? So as software developers, we're all some level, some degree of nerd, right? Whether it's space nerd or something else. Uh, and it was fascinating that these there are actually people working on these big, big problems, like how do we establish a colony on the moon, right? What what do we need to get there? Yeah, one of the things we need is we need this, this thing running mid-orbit between the Earth and the moon as a halfway station. And so they were, you know, they were using Java effects to map out these trajectories and Diane would come up with the equations for how do we put a spacecraft in there that would be geosynchronous and blah, 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 and all this type of stuff. And it was fascinating that, you know, that we know people that are working on, you know, stuff like this, because, you know, a lot of Java devs, you're just working on something that is not as exciting as that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, so. that these people are so reachable and open to talk yes. about their work and share with everyone what they do. I know that Sean created a few uh, Java libraries and Java VIX libraries, which are just free, open, they live on GitHub. And anyone who wants to build something similar can do that with, with libraries he created. Believe it or not, you reach out to him with a question. He'll, he'll answer you. It's easy to find. Except at the bar on Friday night. But That's a yes. different story. So <laughs> I selected my favorite session. Okay. Can you select one of that 120? <laughs> Wow, that that's really difficult. So, so Vince and I are both on the CFP team. So we read, you know, eight or nine hundred different uh, CFP entries. Oh gosh, I, I'm going to have to think for a second. Do you actually have time during the conference to join sessions as the organizer? That's a great question. I usually am able to sneak in one a day, right? So, uh, but you know, I'll go back and watch the videos later. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think some of the ones that I'm super interested in, especially in light of this recent interest in like AI with chat GPT and stuff like that. Um, Frank Greco is doing one uh, around AI called patterns, predictions, and prescriptions, which is about basically using machine learning in Java mm -hmm. uh, to, to do those three things, patterns, predictions, and uh, prescriptions. Um, and then the other one that I'm super interested in is the one by Aaron, which I mentioned before, which is beyond rust and crud integration practices and microservices. And, and this is a little bit of a um, little bit of an inside job uh, because I was speaking to her and she was like, what should I do a presentation on? I said, what I would really love to see is a presentation on how you weave together uh, microservices, but not using just HTTP standard rest calls, using something like Apache Camel mm -hmm. to make it much more fluid and you know a little bit less brittle. And she was like, I think that's a great idea. So we talked about it some more and she came up with this great idea. And I think that's something that like I would personally use as a software developer. I think a lot of people in the audience would love to see alternatives to just doing HTTP over REST. So that, that session is created for you. So you have to be there. Yeah, I, exactly. So I was able to find a victim. I mean, a volunteer uh, to, to do that. It for so. you. Yeah. And Vincent, do you have a one that you have selected? Well, already? there's a... Uh, um... Ajuna, I'm going to butcher her name. 
Oh yes, Kai Ruzi right. is going to be talking on observing Minecraft. So, you know, it, it gets me uh, behind the the you know the interface of my the only way I really interact with technology, which is games. They're going to look at how uh, into that kind of into like you know, monitoring server health and alerting and issues on real time uh, as you know they do it for Minecraft, which is obviously not a small system. When you think about what happens behind the scenes at scale for something uh, like a game, people think games are pretty lightweight things, and they are not, uh, especially when it comes to something the size of Minecraft. That'd be really interesting. But mm-hmm. the, I think those lessons apply to, to anything that you're going to do. That's uh, you know you know highly scalable and highly secure. Mm-hmm. So that should be a good one. Do we have time to go to sessions? No. And 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 people sometimes say, "Hey, man, you having fun?" I'm like, I am not having fun at this conference. I, I do not have fun at the conference. I'm enjoying myself. Right? Don't get me wrong. I, I love doing it, and I'm enjoying myself. But it's not a fun thing for me. <laughs> it's too much going on. But actually, I never organized something so big. But isn't it the moment that the doors open when the event actually starts? There's no way back at that moment. So isn't that a flow forward? No, there's no way back from this uh, six months before. Although, um, so so you know, inside trick, if if you want to actually even talk to me at this event, don't don't do it until after registration on the second day, on the main, on the first main day of the conference. So between seven a.m. and say ten a.m., don't even look at me. <laughs> it's the most stressed <laughs> that I'm going to be because everybody wants something. Or, you know, everything anywhere, everywhere, all at once is is uh, <laughs> it's what that period is. Uh, after that initial flow, when everyone's come through the door and got their badge and shirt and what have you, for the most part, it's uh, you know what it's it's kind of pretty much on autopilot till we pack it up. Although there's always things to do, but uh, yeah, there, there's no way back from this six months before because we have to sign things. Mm-hmm. It is quite a bit of work leading up to the conference. We typically don't sleep much during the event. I think last year and every year. I'll go to bed at maybe 1 and get up at 5 a.m. 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. is sleep time. Uh, and then you're running on pure adrenaline for like three or four days. So, But uh, we love doing it, so that's why mm-hmm. we keep doing it. I really hope that you have at least five minutes of time to grab a cup of coffee and take a look at the event from, from the side and see how everyone is enjoying them and, and going oh, yeah, from yeah. session to session. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's we, why we do a we video. Do uh, every year, we should do it again this year. Pratik, it's because oh, afterwards yeah. and go. Oh yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Dev Nexus is sold out already. No more tickets there. No, um, so people can still come to the Atlanta Jug afterwards. What is the mix of audience and who is coming to your jugs? Is it uh, male forties white? As most of these tech events, Frank, that's a really good question. So the question is, uh, what is the demographic? for the DevNexus conference. And so so Vince and I both go to various different uh, Java-focused events around the world, right? Whether it's DevOps Belgium, Java Barcelona, JBC NCONF, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I think one of the things that our speakers finds pleasantly surprising about DevNexus is that our audience is actually quite diverse compared to other conferences. And some of that is just organically, and some of that is actually by efforts by our team. Uh, so, for example, we uh, partner with Techs of Color Atlanta and Women Who Code Atlanta to make sure that they're aware of the event. We also have a large number of scholarships that we give both those organizations so that those folks can come. Uh, and I think the other organic part is that Atlanta as a city is also very diverse. So when you're walking out onto the expo floor uh, at lunchtime or during a break, you'll notice that compared to other Java events, there are a lot more women in the audience, right? There's a lot more persons of color, whether they're they're black or whether they're South Asian or whether they're you know Chinese Americans or whatever. Uh, you'll notice that there is actually quite a bit of diversity here compared to other events. It's something that we're always working on improving, uh, and. Like I was saying, it does. It didn't just happen by accident. It's something that we've worked on over the years, right? Similarly, if you look at the speaker lineup, uh, you'll notice that there are a fair number of uh, not forty-year-old men <laughs> as speakers, uh, and you know a lot of that is outreach that we do to specifically get uh, those folks in different communities 
to submit their ideas for the conference. So it's a mixture of both, but a lot of it is the work that uh, Vincent, myself, and the rest of the team puts into the um, into the conference in terms of having a diverse attendee and speaker base. Yeah, so, yeah I remember a uh, a tweet from uh, I don't know what year it was, but one of the preceding years where. Uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, the uh, the ladies that that uh, was there said, uh, "I'll paraphrase it terribly, but he said this is something you don't normally see at a tech conference: a line outside the women's bathrooms." <laughs> <laughs> now Indeed. that you know demo breakdown isn't as high as we would like it to be, um, it's tech, right? But we we do what we can to to encourage it with partnering with local orgs. Well, uh, every year we've run a a women in technology breakfast. Um, at the event uh, on the this this year it's on the on the thursday the second day of the main conference uh and we'll um um i, can't, I don't know what the lineup is uh, for this year because i'm not organizing it. one of the uh the, the uh, female board members is organizing it this year great uh even better mm-hmm. um but uh you know last year we had um you know, heather van Curra, who who runs the the jcp uh interview um uh, Elena Percival, who's the uh, uh, the CEO and founder of, of Women Who Code Worldwide, so uh, and and uh, you know we're very fortunate to have her her come to the event and and join us and and uh, participate. And this is not just for women; uh, we want everyone to come to it. But it's um, the room is full, um, and it's uh, you know I, I think that's super encouraging for for, for tech conferences to see that. And it's not a small room; it's a room that seats four hundred people. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of women at the event. I think. I, I don't have the the specific numbers uh, for this year uh, or, or the last year off the top of my head, but I know that in 2020 that we had, uh, I think, somewhere between 35 to 40 percent uh, women in attendance. Right. Don't quote me on that. because I'm not 100 percent certain, but it was at least one third of the audience was women. So that's yeah. something that we really like to see. That was also part of the message of the Japan jug. They have a separate woman jug, but they really want to to join. They want to have one community which is friendly for everyone, where everyone can join. And do you also see everyone returning to your jugs now post COVID? Is everyone coming back from behind the computer, from the home desk, from working from home? We're seeing approximately one third to one half of pre-COVID attendance at the Java user group. But I think the encouraging thing for us is that the attendance has slowly but surely been increasing every month. People are starting to leave their home computers, leave their house, and uh, come back out. I think that with the recent news of the widespread layoffs in technology, I'm hoping that people will start to understand again that it's important for them to go to these local Java user group meetings. It's important for them to, to number one, learn something new, or even if they know it, just see a different perspective on something that they already know, as well as start doing that networking again, right? Because I know in Europe, things are different in terms of job security and stuff like that. But at least in the U.S., we don't have as much job security. Uh, we never did compared to Europe, right? Mm-hmm. So, So I'm hoping that people get this message that, they need to start re-engaging with their local tech community, whether it's the local Java user group or the local web meetup or the local machine learning meetup or whatever it may be. Uh, If there's one thing from this podcast that I would like to uh, let people know is that now's a good time to go out and start re-engaging with your local tech community, right? Get, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be involved. You just show up at a meeting, you know, make some friends, make, meet some new old friends, make some new friends, start rebuilding that network because uh, Frank, as you know, the one thing in technology that is always constant is that technology is changing. So what you know today is not necessarily what you will need to know two or five years from now. So you always have to stay on top of things so that you're always employable and you have a great job that you like. Yeah, and actually Arun, Arun Gupta's keynote is uh, is all about this, that point. Um, yeah, it, it's important that people get out of the house. So in the past... Uh, people would be at work and they would leave work and come to the Java user group meeting and see a session and, and, and have pizza with us, or whatever, and then go home. Now, uh, for the most part, with, with the you know remote work, hybrid work, whatever, uh, people will have to leave home to come to the Java user group at that worst time of day for traffic. 
and um, and so many things can get in the way of that. You know, so w- with the best intentions in the world, you're like, well, I want to go to the meeting tonight, and um, uh, you know, it's at seven o'clock, so I need to you know leave my house at six or six thirty or whatever. But um, guess what happens? Uh, a work call runs a little long because uh, that tends to happen when when people are distributed. Uh, you you've got to get this last email out of the door tonight. Um, you know, if you have kids, the kids are going crazy. Dinner's burning. The dog gets out. It starts raining. Or you're just like, oh, I'm tired now from this long day. I'm not going to go. That's what's happening. So, you know, it isn't this flow of work to jog to home. Now it's like home, jog home. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the reasons why this uh, attendance is, uh, is down from what it was. But to Pratik's point, this is a perfect time to re-engage in, in, in your community. Uh, to uh, to to rekindle, you know, a sense of why you even do this because you don't see people that much in person anymore. You're, you're, you're doing this, uh, which is fine for the mechanics of a day job. You know, particularly I've both worked remote for many years, so we get this. But it, but we also get out a lot because we go to events. It's part of our job. But if that's not part of your job, it's very important that you see other people uh, in person. What I learned from the previous talks I had with Jack leaders is. It's not only the talk, it's really the event, which is the, the whole combination of learning something new, uh, learning something you didn't expect maybe, and definitely talk to to other people. Uh, even if you have a job, you're right in, in Europe, we're pretty sure about our job, but even here there's, there's a war on talent. Uh, here the companies are looking for people. We invite some people from overseas <laughs> to come help us. Um, but indeed, even if you have a job, you can always learn, you can meet new people, not maybe for a new job right now, but maybe later. So really mixing within the communities is really important. Yeah. And I think you hit upon something uh, very interesting there. Uh, my favorite uh, track at almost any conference is the hallway track, right? It's yes. I love going to see some great presentations and learn something new. But the hallway track where you have those discussions on, hey, I'm using this specific library to do this, or it could be something even more expansive. It's like, hey, I'm trying to learn this new thing. I saw your presentation or just meeting a group of people who are tackling the same bug in Maven <laughs> or whatever, right? That's that's where the real value of a lot of these events is, right? It's the, the hallway track where you can have those informal one-on-one or one to five, you know, three to five people discussion uh, that, that really makes a difference for me. Thanks for joining this recording. Uh, we do this a little, a few weeks before Def Nexus because I didn't want to interfere with your schedule just right before the conference. I hope you had a good start of the conference and you can really enjoy those few very busy days and at least uh, pick a few of these these speakers and these slots. Thank you also, uh, listeners. Uh, keep an eye on Fuji for future articles about development and everything related to the Java world. And next month, we continue this virtual world tour in another country. We'll see which one. Give me a Foo, give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.